Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Philippians, chapter 3. I'll be reading from verse 4 through 14. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version updated. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now that I have already obtained this, not, not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have laid hold of it, but one thing I have laid hold of, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal, towards the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this word. We thank you, Lord, because we know that you are here, Lord. We feel your presence and your spirit as we worship. We know, Lord, that when we gather together, you are always here with your Holy Spirit to speak to our need. We ask now, O Lord, that you'll simply continue to speak through your word. Help us to receive what you have for us from it this morning. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We hear a lot of the time about the importance of having self-confidence, believing in yourself, reaching your potential, maximizing your success. So many phrases that we throw around that basically mean that you can do it. You're it. You're awesome. You can accomplish it. You can achieve it. You can reach it. If you just work hard enough, if you just strain enough, if you just battle enough, you're going to achieve that which you want. What are they trying to say to you? Basically, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. But if you plan to succeed, you'll be okay. How's that working out for you so far? As Paul considers how his plans have gone in his life, he realized that many of the things that he had planned for, many of the things that he had accomplished, many of the things that gave him status and make it, made him feel special and important, many of the things that had gotten him recognized 
were really not as important as he thought they were. You know, there's something that happens as you age and you also gain a little perspective in life. I don't know how many of you have experienced that. But certain things that you thought were so crucial and important as you were younger kind of don't look that important as you're getting older and you get a bigger perspective on life. The reason for that is simple. The value of things is relative. If somebody comes to you with silver, you might think silver is valuable. I mean, that's a valuable metal. That's a valuable commodity. Silver is great. And you think, man, you must be doing well. You got silver. But then somebody else shows up with gold. And the guy with silver looks like a poor guy now. Because the other guy has gold. And that's more valuable, about 10 times more valuable, right? But then a third guy shows up. He's got platinum. And the guy with silver just looks like he's begging because he got nothing. And the gold guy looks like, well, I'm okay, but I'm not, I'm not platinum level. You see, it becomes relative. When you start comparing what you have, you begin to see that we one-up each other. And, and before you know it, there's something higher or something more valuable out there. And once you realize that there's something more valuable out there, what you have doesn't seem as valuable anymore. It just doesn't seem as important. It doesn't seem as luxurious. And this is what Paul discovered. Paul knew that he had a lot to be confident of in the flesh. And he goes on to the scripture to kind of describe what he's so proud of and boastful about in his flesh, what he has celebrated throughout his life, what has made him known, what he has thought that was really important when it comes down to who he was. He says, I, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I am a Jew of Jews. I'm a member of the people of Israel, and I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. There was 12 tribes, right? But all the tribes were not created equal. There were some that were more prestigious than others, some that got better land assignments than others, some that were larger in numbers than others. And the tribe of Benjamin was one of those that was better known and got better land. And so what you get here is that Paul is saying, you know, I am of the people of Israel, but, you know, I am, I'm of the cream of the crop. I'm on the top. And I'm a Jew of Jews. I can trace back my lineage back to Abraham. You see, the Jews thought this was very important. If they could trace back their father to their grandfather to their great-grandfather all the way back to Abraham, they could show that they were really Jews because they came from that line of descendancy. So he was proud of that. That was a reason to boast. And then he says, as to the law, I'm a Pharisee's. In resumed terms, you know what a Pharisee is? A nerd. He was a nerd for the law. He had studied the law since he was young. He was the guy that always raised his hand about the law when there was a question. Why? Because he did the law from morning to night every day. It was part of his upbringing. He trained in it. He learned it. He, he did memorization drills. Because the Pharisees were supposed to be able to quote the law. 
And you can't quote something unless you memorize it. And then you, don't, you can't just memorize it. You have to understand how to apply it because you were supposed to be able to quote the law appropriately when it was needed for a case. And so here comes Paul and he's saying, I mean, um, yeah, here comes Paul and he says, basically, I'm, I'm a nerd for the law. And I'm proud of that. He was a proud nerd. He was proud of the fact that he knew the law and he could quote it. And then he says, and as far as seal for the, for the faith, I persecuted the church. He says, there was other Jews that said they believed in God and that they were faithful Jews, but hey, I was to the point of being willing to throw those Christians in jail when they, they proposed that Jesus was the Messiah. I was such a Jew that I was willing to travel to put them in jail, to persecute them wherever they gathered. Nobody was more zealous than Paul. He was to the point of being willing to even stand there as they killed Christians. As to righteousness under the law, he calls himself blameless. Now, that's the ultimate arrogance. To say that you are blameless under the law is arrogance. Why? Because we know that no matter how hard the Jews tried, they weren't able to keep 100% of the law. How do we know that? They kept having to go back to do sacrifice for the sins of the people every year. Every year they still had to go and get atonement for their sins. Every year they had to admit that they had fallen short and an animal had to die and its blood had to be spilled in order to make things right with God. And it was never enough. So for Paul to claim that he was blameless under the law was a very Pharisaic answer. He was basically saying, I cross my T's and dot my I's when it comes to all of these rules. And before others, they can't point anything that I've done wrong. But God knew the things that he did wrong in his thought when he judged other people for not being as holy as he was and as straight as he was. See, that was the legalistic side of the Pharisee. They always looked down on others because of how they followed the law, but others didn't. All of these things Paul could confidently state about himself. Yet he states in the scripture that when he came to know Christ, all that that he had regarded as important or valuable in his life, things that defined him, things that gave him prestige, things that made him known, were all a loss. All of these things that were so quote-unquote important were trash, rubbish. All the things that people admired of him and had defined him as a person and probably made him feel special are trash. Why? Because of what I stated at the beginning. He compared what all of those things gave him to what he gained from knowing Christ as Lord and Savior. And he said, I get so much more from Jesus than I do from all of these things.
I get things from Jesus that these things can't give me. These things can't make my relationship with God right. These things can't cover my sin. These things can't give me the promise of eternity. These things can't give me unconditional love. They can't bring me peace. They can't give me eternal joy. Only Jesus can do that. Paul was saying, I have found something better than all of these things, and I know that everything else that I had before just pales in comparison to the value of what I have found. Paul knew that Christ was his Savior. He knew that he was the Son of God and that he had promised him eternal life. And he said, I'll take what Jesus did for me over all the things that I could try to do for myself. What was Paul trying to say to the church? He says, I don't want you to be self-confident, self-reliant. I don't even want you to believe in yourself. I want you to be Jesus-confident. I want you to put your trust in Jesus alone. And I want you to trust him for everything. He says, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. But notice he doesn't say, I miss all those things, or man, losing those things was terrible. No, instead he goes on to say, you know, I'd rather suffer loss of all of these things to gain Christ and to regard them all as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness that is of my own doing, but receiving the righteousness of God that comes through belief and faith. He says, that is much better. Can you imagine if your salvation depended on you? That'd be rough. Imagine that your salvation depended on how good you were tomorrow and the next day and the next day after that. Imagine that your salvation depended on how you, your thoughts went and how charitable you were and how committed you were to certain things. Paul says, I am glad it doesn't depend on me that it has been given to me in Christ through faith. I mean, would you want to go back to animal sacrifice? Would you want to have to make a sacrifice every time you sinned? Because I can tell you that would get messy real fast. Because I don't know about you, but every day I struggle with thoughts. I struggle with actions. Somebody cuts you off in the road and you think, oh, you sinned. Before you know it, you've already sinned in your mind. So many times, without even thinking about it, we've committed sin. And when we realize it, if we had to sacrifice an animal each time, like I said, it would be, it would be a bad time for us. Paul basically said, I'll take the blood of Jesus any day to cover my sins. I'll take his sacrifice and his righteousness as my own any day of the week. I'll let him carry my infirmities to the cross. I'll take grace over punishment any day. Can you imagine if we got what we deserved? 
If the wrath of God was released on us, as we have read in Revelations, because we have not been covered by the righteousness of Jesus, that would be a dark and terrible day. Paul exclaims, I just want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his suffering by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. He says, I want to be like Christ in his death. How did Jesus die? He died in humble obedience to God, even though it cost him much suffering. You know, sometimes we get a little suffering and we just lose it before God. Oh, Lord, how could you let this suffering come to me? And what we have had is so little compared to what Jesus suffered for us going to the cross. Paul says, I want to serve God even if it means going through suffering, through trials, through temptations. And in this case... Being in jail, remember, he's writing from jail. Even if it means I'm going to be in jail for years, I don't care. I want to be like Jesus. I want to go obediently and in, in servitude to God, to whatever God calls me to, and I want to share in his resurrection. And Paul says, I know I haven't obtained it yet. I know I haven't arrived yet. There's still much for me to do. There's much ministry for me to do. There's much things for me to accomplish. I have not reached the goal. He says, but one thing I'm going to do, I'm going to keep pressing on. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up if it gets difficult. I'm not giving up if there's suffering. I'm not giving up if there's loss. I'm not giving up if it's uphill both ways in the snow, barefoot. I'm not giving up. I'm not taking the easy way out. I'm going to persevere in the ministry that God has called me to. Paul understood something. God had called him to the Gentiles. And when God called him to the Gentiles, nobody else wanted to go to the Gentiles. People did not want to go to the Gentiles. They were still preaching to the Jews. They were still trying to reach the Jews that had not accepted that Jesus was the Messiah. And God called Paul to go out to the Gentiles to go and do these missionary journeys where he went to people that nobody else wanted to go to. And he knew that the task that he had been given, the calling on his life was so important that he needed to follow through so that these people would know Jesus. He says, I haven't arrived yet. Too many people think they've already arrived. Too many people think that because they have been promised resurrection and eternal life in Jesus Christ by faith, that they can just sit back and wait until they're beamed up to heaven, kind of like a Star Trek episode. They just sit back. I've been, I've been saved, so I can just sit back and wait for that moment. And Paul knew from experience that the Christian life is about more than that. It is about sharing in the suffering of Jesus so that we can look forward to sharing in his resurrection. He knew that only by being obedient to one's call can one really fulfill God's plans in one's life. Paul understood that God got a hold of him for a reason. And I want to tell you something. God gets a hold of you and me 
with a purpose. There is no spare people in the kingdom of heaven. Every single one of us is called by God to fulfill his plan of bringing salvation and the message of Jesus into this world to somebody who needs to hear it. And Paul understood that God had gotten a hold of him so that the Gentiles will receive salvation, will receive the Holy Spirit, and will begin to spread the gospel in those regions where he was starting all these ministries. God gets a hold of each of us for a reason. There's a plan and there's a purpose. So the only question that we need to ask ourselves is, God, what is your plan and purpose for me? What is it that you want me to do? What is, that, what is it that I am supposed to be about? Where do I need to go share my testimony? What are the lost people that you're putting in my way so that I will have encounters with them and let them know about Jesus? Who are the desperate people that you want me to give hope to? You know, the kids were pointing out all of the things that Jesus gives us. He doesn't just give them to us for us. He gives them to us so that we can share it with others. There's somebody out there that has no joy. There's somebody out there that has no hope. There's somebody out there that doesn't feel loved. And Jesus is saying, go and let them know that in me all those things can be found. That I am the one who loves them, gives them hope, and helps them. Paul says, no, folks, I haven't arrived yet, but one thing I do Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal, towards the price of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. I think the greatest mistake some Christians make is thinking that because they know Jesus, they have completed their journey of faith. When the reality is that accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the beginning of your heavenly call. It is the beginning of your work in the kingdom here on earth before you get to heaven. It is the beginning of your call to spread the gospel so that other people can join us on that day. The call made in our lives is there so that we can respond to it and act on it. It's not just enough to hear the call. You have to act on the call. It is there to let us know that it's time to press on, to move forward. You know, sometimes people get stuck. Paul says, don't get stuck as a Christian. Push forward. Press forward towards the goal. He says, I press on towards the price of the heavenly God, call of God in Christ Jesus. And I kept thinking, how do I explain this? Because it's hard for us to understand what it means to press on. And, and I thought of it this way. Imagine Paul riding along the road of life in his car. And he's looking through the rearview mirror and he sees what he's left behind. And he realized that he's more excited about what he sees ahead than what's behind him. He realizes then also that he's not driving alone, but that Jesus is in the car with him. And then he realizes that he's not even the driver, he's the passenger. And he celebrates that Jesus knows the way to the Father. 
and that he's not going to get lost along the way. That is how I think we need to understand this journey. Pressing on is continuing to be faithful to move forward in the direction that Jesus is wanting to take us. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that leads to the Father. He is the one that knows the way we need to follow. But we have to learn to be obedient to follow his directions. Now, it's interesting that we all come from different places, different situations, different backgrounds, different life experiences. That means that our calls are different. We have different gifts. We have different abilities given to us by the Holy Spirit. We have different circles of influence, people that we interact with, people that we meet along the way. And that is why God needs every single one of us. Because there are people that you will meet that I won't. There are people that you will interact with that I might never meet. There are people that you might be able to reach that will never listen to me or to somebody else. And you are the person that God is calling to share the good news with them. When you look behind you, I hope that like Paul, you see that what used to be so valuable is not as valuable anymore, that you have found something more valuable in your relationship with Jesus Christ. I hope that instead of self-confidence, you have gained Jesus' confidence, the confidence that Jesus is working all things for your good as he brings you along the journey. And I pray that he is directing your trip because he has places he wants to take you to and people he wants you to meet. Let's let Jesus take the wheel. Let him lead the way and just continue to press on. Move forward. Continue to let him be proclaimed in your life. Press on towards the goal no matter how difficult the road may get, no matter how much you have to leave behind, no matter what the cost is, because what you will get is worth it all. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your heavenly call in our lives. I thank you because you have brought us together as a church here today because you want us to continue to press forward to go forward in your name, to go forward into the world to share your good news, to go forward to live out the call that you have placed on each and every one of us individually and each of us as a church. We ask, O oh Lord, that you will continue to direct us and guide us. Give us, O oh Lord, powerful opportunities, divine appointments to be able to share your testimony of what you're doing in our lives, to be able to tell people that you are real and that true joy and love and peace and hope can be found in Jesus alone. Lord, use us with everyone we encountered this week and help us to remember that we are your hands and your feet, that we are your voice, that we are the ones who carry out your message and your will. Help us to build your kingdom. Help us invite others to come to church, to be part of the kingdom of heaven that is being built here and help us to remind people that you are better than anything they can find elsewhere. We pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
The altar is open if we want to come up for prayer as we continue worship.